Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey shy hearts welcome to episode 79 of meet us at molly's happy premiere week it is premiere week we made it whoop whoop yes we made it we have just seen all three season premieres. Well, you guys have just seen all three season premieres. We've kind of seen them for a couple of days now, but that's beside the point. But yes, <laughs> it is premiere week. We survived the hiatus. Awesome. Yay. Greatness all around. So as always, I am Gina. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. And we've got a special guest with us today. She is one of our dearest friends who we love oh so much. Ashley from Telltale TV is joining us. Hello, Miss Ashley. Hi, guys. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. We've been planning this with Ashley since ATX Festival in June, quite literally. Yeah. I think I sat with you on that that, that Friday night or whatever, and I was like, so we want you to come on for the first week. Yep. And you were like, okay. Cool. <laughs> yep. yep. I'm Ashley, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, you kind of just so, told me it was going to happen, and I was like, all right, I'm on board. I'm on board. That'll be good. So. Yeah. yeah. Literally, uh, we, were, like, we were sitting there that night, too, and I'll just tell the story because it's funny. So we were all like, you remember how we were all like sitting in that square that first like Friday night? Yep. And so I was sat next to you, and Bryna was a couple seats over for me, and... Because, like, cause we, we knew you from Twitter. We didn't really know you, like, face-to-face very well yet. And so as we were talking, I was texting Bryna covertly. I was like, this is the Ashley we wanted on the podcast, right? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, it is. I was like, okay, good, good. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's I did yeah. not realize that. That's awesome. Yeah. And now we're friends, and you're stuck with us forever because we love you. Well, <laughs> and we, we immediately started talking about all the shows and, you know, long, long conversations and... Um, instant friends, instant friends. And then we had our therapy session about revenge. Yes, that fun. That also, that also, <laughs> that also happened. <laughs> so great. Yes, yes. So it is premiere week, as we said. We are going to shift to our new format tonight, which is just quick hits on all three episodes because they all air in one night now. So for us to record three separate episodes would be horrible, ridiculous. Because it would be a really, really quick turnaround. So all in one episode. <laughs> So before we jump into all three shows, we do have some news and we are going to jump right in. So we have episode descriptions for episode three of all three shows. So 403, 703 and 603. Bryna, will you please take us through MED? Yes. So episode three of MED is titled Heavy is the Head. Um, The description is, when a sick boy is brought in, Ethan is faced with a tough decision that quickly escalates into a complicated and dangerous situation. Connor and Maggie are put to the test, while Natalie and Ethan aren't sure what to make of Elsa, the new third-year medical student. Okay, so we're seeing the couples not working together based off that, if that's the case. Are Connor and Maggie working together? Is that what we're I taking so. from this? That would be nice. Uh, yeah, that'd be really nice. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, sounds like another med episode. It'll probably be good. It will probably be good. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. So uh, we also got fire. Fire's episode is called 30% Slight of Hand." 
Chief Bowden becomes increasingly skeptical of Assistant Deputy Commissioner Gorsh's motives, while Severide gets wrapped up in a difficult situation following the rescue of a child from a car wreck. Trying to fit in with the rest of the firehouse, Foster is tasked with doling out some personal advice to Cruz. That makes me nervous. Yeah. How so? <laughs> what, what about it makes you well, nervous? I just, I don't know. I just, there's something about, you know, her jumping in and, and giving personal advice. Um, That's where I'm, I'm like, why is she the person giving, you know, she, I mean, it's only been like at that point, it'll have been two episodes, really just one because of the crossover. But like, why is she the one giving cruise advice, like personal yeah. advice? I mean, I'm curious about it. I'm curious about it for sure. Yeah. Like why her? That's true. That's true. Yeah. And we did get, we did get a little, a little touch of Emily in the season premiere. And I mean, so far so good, but we'll see what we learn about her in the crossover. I mean, we're not going to know too much about her before this episode airs. So yeah, it could be good and it could be really bad. Yeah. Yikes. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. And commissioner Gorsh, we'll get to him, but he's, yeah, he, he's, he's not very pleasant. He's annoying. Yeah. We'll get there. Uh, We also got PD. Bryna, please take it away. So PD is titled Bad Boys. This is politics gets in the way as the team tries to rescue a teenage girl kidnapped by a robbery crew and Voight and Platt try to exonerate Olinsky. Nice. Okay. This is the episode. That doesn't sound too juicy. I mean, but this is like the episode that Marina has been teasing about on Twitter, like all time. Whatever off season. That's right. That yes, this is six oh three. You are right. Yeah. So it doesn't Correct. sound juicy, but this is the one Marina's been teasing that Berzik may or may not happen. Who knows? But this is the episode Marina. This been episode about. had better end in a Berzik hookup. Is all I'm saying. After all of this hype and all of the social media posts, this damn episode had better end in a Berzik hookup. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, this is the episode. And hopefully the Rusewater car crash isn't that bad. Oh, yeah. I forgot that was also teased for this episode. Man. Mm-hmm. Lots of things happening. Early on in the seasons, too, right? I mean, we're just not not wasting any time, it seems like. No. And especially you, like, basically are almost, like, skipping a week. Because you're assuming that the crossover is going to be, like, an isolated storyline that they'll probably never talk about. Well, maybe they'll talk about it again. But, yeah, for it to be episode three, lots of stuff happening. Lots of stuff going down. So we also got an interview this week with the med showrunners, and this was on Parade.com, which is not a source we typically see. No. But they did an interview with Diane Frolov and Andy Schneider um, about the season and the premiere and what's to come. And there was a juicy bit in here, if I can remember correctly, but maybe there wasn't. I don't know. This was mostly... Oh, yeah. Here it is. Okay. The... You know, it was mostly about the season premiere, which we're going to talk about. They just, you know, were like, yeah, you're going to get your answer to the proposal. This is the deal with Reese, blah, blah, blah. But they also asked about the new NBC drama, New Amsterdam, which premiered. Well, if you guys are listening to this on Wednesday, I think it premiered on Tuesday. But they basically asked about New Amsterdam and just said, you know, not that you're going to be competing with them, but does it make it harder to come up with medical conditions that have not yet been seen, mainly because there's so many parts of human anatomy. And so Andy Schneider said, he's like, well, we do have one interesting medical case and we wanted to make sure that they weren't doing it. And so we said, "Okay, we have dibs on this. 
So is that how they're going to have to proceed all season now? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. I guess it depends on, like, how like if how long New Amsterdam lasts. Because I didn't think it was that good. So, But I could be just me and it could stay on for, you know, a whole 22 episodes. But I guess it just depends on if they stay on air. I don't know. I mean, then you look at, I mean, I know it's different because it's a different network, but like shows like Grey's Anatomy and now there's, you know, The Good Doctor, there's The Resident, like there's medical shows all over the place. Right. You always sometimes see, you know, similar things. And I don't know that we bat an eye at that too much. I mean, that would happen in real life too, right? Right. Yeah. And I feel like they're always like, they're never like the normal things anyway. Like with medical shows, like they have to bring the drama with in the medical cases so like they're always going to be somewhat out there so like it's not like you're saying oh like we're doing a routine cold or something like that like I don't know they have to be a little creative anyway so like I don't know I don't see it being a problem but I could be wrong who knows hmm that's interesting yeah yeah I don't know I yeah I feel like I had another thing to say and I'm completely forgetting what I was going to say. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Okay, so I didn't I, I didn't actually get through the entire pilot of New Amsterdam, but and I can tell you why, is because I'm getting really sick of the medical show trope that you keep seeing of like this rogue white male doctor comes into a oh, hospital yeah. and he gives no fucks about anything and he's just gonna turn shit around and everybody has to root for him because he's such a renegade. I'm sick of it. I'm over it. No thank you not here for it at all yeah i mean i kind of want to go to a hospital where they do follow their rules right wouldn't that make yeah. you feel better <laughs> um, yeah then you definitely don't want to go to chicago med do you <laughs> yeah well don't watch episode two of new amsterdam then either <laughs> if, um, yeah don't do it i haven't seen any of that show yet um i almost watched it uh, a couple of nights ago um and i kind of decided I wasn't in the mood for it kind of for that reason I was just like, so bored the other day um it was like after Yom Kippur when I was fasting like after services and before I could like break my fast so I was literally just like laying on my friend's couch and I was like I need something to watch so I watched both of them and I was like why did I do this <laughs> not that great not that good don't recommend it and Listeners, if you're wondering, like, what are they talking about, like, episode two, the three of us are lucky enough to, you know, we have access to the screeners due to the websites that we write for. And so we've been able to see a couple of episodes early. And so, yeah, New Amsterdam. I don't, I might finish it. I might not finish it. But it's just, it's the reason I couldn't keep going with The Resident. I was like, listen, I'm Team Logan for life. But, like, Matt Zucri's coming in here like, fuck this, fuck that. I'm going to practice medicine the way I want to. Screw all of you. And I'm like, no, no, thank you. Hard pass. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch that one nope. either. Yeah, no. Oh, but that does remind me. Um, Dr. Mike got to do a set visit for The Resident. I was watching that earlier today, Bryna. Uh, side Dr. Note. Mike. I love him. Yeah. I love him, too, even though he didn't respond to our email. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. Yes. So that is the interview with the med showrunners. And lastly, with our news, we got promo photos for next week's crossover. I'm not ready. Nope. 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 What did they show? I haven't seen them. What did they show? So there were a handful with Jay and Will. And I feel like you could pretty much fill in the gaps on what they were saying. Um, There's one where it's like, 
from it's from like the patient's back. So we're not supposed to know who the patient is, but come on, we all know it's Papa Halstead. We're not stupid. Um, yeah. And so like Jay's or Jay's got one look on his face. Jay looks kind of like stoic about it, almost kind of pissed. And Will is like really sad and emotional. And you can tell because Will's the more emotional Halstead, you know, um, there's another one where Will, they're not like up in each other's faces, but like Jay's jaws clenched. So like, you totally know he's, saying something along the lines of like pull your shit together will um those are the halstead ones there's a bunch of fire ones that are like killers yeah Um, there was the otis i mean otis gets checked out by dr charles and i swear to god if something happens to him again oh no not gonna be okay um yeah, there was the one. Does like Rusick finally make it to med? There was one of him and Upton like walking through the ambulance bay, and I'm like, does Rusick actually make it to med finally for the first time? I think ever, <laughs> maybe. I think you might be right. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe Rusick sorted out the GPS and finally found the directions to med. Because <laughs> actually, damn, though. yeah, yeah. There was yeah a couple of PD ones. The fire ones were killer because everybody of course is looking super worried and connor's talking to them and then there's one where it's like mouch and cruz and herman and like a bunch of them they're in one of the hospital rooms like one of the trauma bays and brian i remember i texted you because i was like don't you dare tell me that they're all just gonna chill in stella's room just waiting for her to wake up because hello hi it's stella again we're not stupid we figured it out yeah 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 And Severide's not in any of them, but I'm imagining that Severide is probably, like, with Stella every single step of the way. Yeah, it probably spoils too much. I just, yeah. I'm not, I'm not ready. Episode two, like, can we, yeah. Why are you throwing us into the deep end this early? Yeah. I'm so excited, though, for the crossover. Like, I, I, I love that the show can do that, and I wish, or that these shows can do that, and I wish that they would do it more. And so the fact that they're doing it this early, no, is that a hot take? Um, I just, I, I, I really, I really like it when they do big crossovers. And I think it's going to be cool to see them do all three. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how we feel after seeing all three shows back to back. Cause that's never happened before. Right. So if we've gotten a three night crossover, it's literally been three separate nights. Now it's going to be three straight hours. Yeah. So That'll be interesting to see. I just know last year when Fire would do the two-hour episodes that I hit a point after – because there were two, right? There was, like, the crossover, and then there was the crossover with Platt doing – um when she was at the talk show place that got, like, bombed. Right. And no, then there was the second one when Otis – no, wait, what am I missing? Well, no, there were three. So there was the crossover, there was the Otis getting shot, Brett pregnancy one, and then the finale was two hours. Okay. Right. You're, you're right. You're right. So – after the Otis one, I was like, well, that was awful. I'm going to go recover. That was exhausting. And then they were like, surprise, the finale's two hours. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I was just really fucking pissed after that finale for obvious reasons. But yeah, it's 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 exhausting, those two-hour episodes. So these crossovers, I'm going to like need to do some yoga and like meditate and like find a happy place before it airs <laughs> next week because... <laughs> That's going to be brutal. Brandy, you're going to text me and be like, not now. I am meditating. (laughs) I am pulling my shit together so I don't rage. (laughs) Yeah. I got you. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be. It's going to be a tough one next week. Yeah. By the time you guys are listening to this, it'll be like exactly one week till that crossover. Man, that's crazy. 
And we will have seen the promos and we'll probably be dying even more. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 And you know how they're going to play with us in that promo. They're going to, like, set something up so it looks like somebody's going to die a crazy death. And then really it's going to be, like, two seconds of the episode. Well, do you guys think because now that we have, like, all three nights and this is, like, one big crossover, do you think we're getting a different promo after Med and Fire and PD? Or are we getting one at the very end of PD? Probably all of them, don't you think? I mean, I would. I think we'll get one after each episode, but I think for the crossover, it might be a little different. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. No, but I'm saying for like because the crossover is the next episode, like that is the first mm-hmm. promo we're gonna have. Like, is it gonna be one big promo, or is it gonna oh. be like? Oh. I mean, they can't really do a promo after Med and then a different promo after Fire and then a different promo after PD just because it's the crossover. Yeah, oh, right. that makes sense. That's more what I was talking about, just because this next week is the crossover. Yeah, I bet it'll be a really intense, super, you know, yeah. get you excited for it, get you freaked out for it. Dear one, God. one big promo. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm into it. It's like we're being shot straight up the roller coaster and, like, taking the big drop, like, immediately. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just throwing us in the deep end. It's cool. Whatever. <laughs> It'll be fine. So. But yeah, that's about all we've got for the news. As always, you know the drill. If you see something, please send it to us. You guys are really good about that. And we love it when you send us news. So please tweet us, email us, however you usually get in touch with us. Please do. We love that. So that's about it for the news. Now I think it is time to move into the quick hits. This is our first round of quick hits for the new seasons. Yep. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. We are going to go in the order that the episodes aired. So we are going to start with Med. Okay. Let's start with the elephant in the room and let's talk about Manstead. Oh, God. Natalie said yes. Not surprised. You're not surprised. Ashley, were you surprised? Yeah, I kind of was. It felt quick or something to me. I I thought there would be more. I, I don't know. It. I I was surprised. I was definitely surprised. I think I wasn't surprised because I've been saying this all summer. I expect them to break up one more time before they're fully together and fully and like get married or whatever. So like to me, I was just kind of like, because that's just how TV goes. Like I feel like people get together and then they usually have at least one more breakup, if not more, before they actually get married or whatever they're going to do. So for me, I'm like, okay, well, this Manstead got together in a more official capacity and then they're going to break up. And then, then that's when they'll get married is when they get back together again. So for me, I was like, okay, yeah, sure. This is just like TV making its circle. But that's why I thought they yeah. were going to get together. Plus people on Twitter were yeah. saying that Tori did not hide her ring in some video that they shot or something. So it was like oh, interesting. So Yeah, that's true. It is a little funny to me, Ashley, that you say you felt like it was really quick because we find out later in the episode that Natalie took her sweet, precious time and took a whole week before responding to Will's question. Right. I think it was quick for us to find out, right? Like, I I don't know. I just felt like there was a weird, like, we were left with that and then we come back to it and it's just like, he's like, oh, that looks nice on you. And it's like, okay. So we didn't have that. I mean, we had the whole summer, I guess, but I don't know. I wanted to see maybe more of that, if that makes sense. Like more of the week we, of her deciding? Yeah, or I, maybe. I don't know. Or or more suspense of whether or not she was going to say yes. It just something about that felt weird to me. 
I guess. And that's and that's why it felt that way. That's why it felt quick. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, we're not used to answers that quickly or definitively in one Chicago land because you know the last time somebody proposed to somebody else, they left that person on a bridge. I'm not bitter. <laughs> <laughs> See, I almost thought that. It- I guess because, I don't know, I almost thought they took, like, seven or eight minutes for them to actually, like, show her ring. It was, like, the last storyline they started addressing because they talked, you know, Ethan had, like, and April had done their thing, like, Dr. Charles and Sarah. Like, that had all happened before, and then they finally got to Manstead, and I was like, oh, it's about time. Like, we're, this is, like, the elephant in the room for the first eight minutes. So I actually thought it was, like, they kind of took their time getting into it, but... I do agree. I do wish we'd kind of gotten to see a little bit of, like, why Natalie was so hesitant and, like, why it took her a week. Well, and this is something that I feel like I harp on with all of these shows, and I think it's part of what kind of animal it is because they're procedurals, and so I I just always want to see more of, like, the character stuff. You know, I always want to see them spend more time than they spend with what's going on with the characters and their decisions that they're making and how things are affecting them. And they can't because it's a procedural and they have to focus on, you know, here's the case of the week and whatever. Um, But I always go back to, like, oh, but I want to see them spend more time on this and I want to see them deal with this more and... I mean, I'll probably say it as we go through all of these, you know, right now, like, that's just always the thing I want more of. Yeah, I really wanted that with PD, but we'll talk about that when we get there. But I really wanted that with PD for this episode. But yeah. Yeah. So furthermore, with the Manstead's, you know, Nat said yes. But Will is trying to get her to plan the wedding and everything. And Natalie's gone like full Ruzik here. She is the Ruzik in this engagement. Because Will's like, let's do this. Let's do that. And she's like, eh, mm, I don't know. They, uh, they do not. I'm not going to say that they seem doomed. Because if I say that, I'm going to have to dodge tomatoes, rightfully so. But she's going to break his heart with this engagement if she keeps up the way she is. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm not surprised, like, that she feels that way, especially with, like, not wanting to go through the whole wedding, because, you know, she did that with her first husband. Like, I get that. But, yeah, just the way that she kind of seemed to brush Will off and, like, not really listen to his concerns makes it seem that somewhere down the road, he's going to want something and she's not, and it's going to be too much, and she's, like you said, going to break his heart. I don't think her heart's 100% in it. I, I kind of feel that way, too, and I think that's also why I, I just, I felt finding out that she had said yes was just, I, I think that's another reason why that felt sort of, I don't know, sudden or something to me, because I, I feel like she's holding something back still. Yeah, there's something in her that she, yeah, she it seems like she's not being true to herself. Just the way she was acting in this episode, it seems like there's something more that she's just not saying. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't want to go, like, because I feel like I'm the one that always is pointing out that, like, no one, no, no couple on the, these shows seem to ever communicate. But, like, when they, we, I remember when we were talking to Jeff at the end of season three, I remember, like, we were talking to him and we were like, so are Natalie and Will, like, officially back together after they, like, took a break? And he couldn't answer us at that point because it hadn't aired and all that stuff. But I, like... Did they ever really talk about why they, like, had that issue back at the end of season three? Probably not. Or not really substantially like they should have. So, 
I mean, I could, I would be hesitant to like get an engage, you know, be engaged to some guy that I didn't really know if we were on the same page after a big fight, but to each one's own. I feel like that's like a Halstead family thing, though. It's like they have issues in their relationships and then they're like, are we back together? I don't know if we're back together. Fuck it. Let's just get married. <laughs> it's like it's like the Halstead family like thing. That's how they yeah, seem to the operate. Yeah, it's the Hail Mary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if this ends badly, Will and Jay need to talk and maybe just melt that ring down into something. But... Yeah, I don't know. It might be cursed. But I also think when she was telling Will and she was like, you know, I've already I've, I've already been married once. I've already done this, like the wedding thing and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think that was a little selfish on her part or I feel like it was. Sure. Because, I mean, Will is Will. Will, you know, Will's an emotional dude. He wants that kind of like he wants a wedding. He wants the fanfare. You know, we want to see Jay as his best man. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I mean, I like, I understand that like, I think it was just more the way that she said it was selfish. I think if she had explained it better, I think he could have understood where she was coming from, which is, I mean, he kind of did at the very end, like she started to explain it. But like, I think if she just gone about it a different way, it could have all been avoided. But that's just Natalie. Natalie, you know, tries to be direct and she always usually goes about it the wrong way. Yeah. So what did you think at the end then when she had planned, you know, whatever tasting for their menu for their wedding? I thought that was cute. Yeah, I was about to say that was cute. I thought he looked really good walking into that restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, no, but it was cute. And I mean, I'm sure, I mean, this was just what, this is is like the beginning stages of wedding planning. So I'm sure we will come across many issues related to this wedding that's supposedly gonna happen at some point probably not but yeah who knows I know. do we want to see this happen we want a manstead wedding for the record right eventually but probably yes. not anytime soon right yeah i think i feel the same way i mean eventually yeah. like you're gonna yeah, they, they, you're gonna tell yeah. me that man it's gonna be Dossie was the first couple well no not the first but like the first big couple on this show to get on these shows to get married and then it's Manstead like that kind of seems mind-blowing to me but I don't know I just I think they're a ways away from like actually getting married but I could be completely wrong on that interesting interesting See, that's the Mansteads. um let's shift to Wrecker because they're yeah that's their ship name that's their ship name. Yep. That's what we're going with. That's what everybody goes with. I mean, I oh, you know, we're not the biggest Connor and Aver fans here at the podcast, but you know, it just hey. seems out. I mean, everything in this episode seems all of it seems so out of nowhere to me. Kind of. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. So where we left off in season three, Connor got offered the job at the Mayo Clinic. Ava called him an unimaginable bastard something about like the Siamese twins and so now we're back and Colin has grown quite the beard what a beard right so what a beard. I'm not a beard girl but like the one Chicago men know how to rock a beard well and I he was in I think it was his Nakia Nichelle interview they were like because he apparently always grows one every off every hiatus but then they were they asked him to keep it going and he was like, okay, sure. So now that's what it's grown into. We approve. Yeah, it looks really good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So basically, 
there's a line between Connor and Ava towards the beginning because, you know, they're talking about the Mayo Clinic and Ava's clearly not ready to let him go. I think she's kind of thrown caution to the wind and is like, fuck this whole like hard and fast doctor routine. She's actually like letting her feelings show now, which is good. But she straight up says, um, you know, and you wrote the line here in the outline, Brenda. Do you want to talk about this a little? Yeah. So she's like, she's, they're like in the locker room and he's taking his stuff out of his locker and putting it in a box and yada, yada, yada. And she's like, are you actually going? He's like, yeah. And then she's like, we could have had something. And he like grabs her hand as he's like giving her this coffee mug that says something about, I don't even know what it says. But I'm like. That seems so out of nowhere to me. I feel like we went from like zero to a hundred in this hiatus over these two months that it's been since the end of season three. And I'm like, where did this come from? See, I got suckered in with this scene because I was like sitting on, I was sitting in my bed just watching the scene and whoever said it said they were like, we could have had something. And my heart was like, oh, and then I like looked at this. I don't know. I I feel like it might have been Connor. It could have been Connor. I I don't don't know. know. But like, I heard the line and I was like, oh, and then it was like one of those moments where you like shake out of it. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> that was a Connor and Ava moment. What the what the hell just happened? Would I agree? I think it could have been a cute moment. But like I said, it just seems so out of nowhere because that's not the same place we left them at the end of season three. Like, it seemed like they were just starting to turn on from like mortal enemies to like maybe there's some flirtation and we don't actually hate each other but now they're all talking about like we could have had something i'm like whoa that came out of nowhere to it me, does seem really sudden so you guys aren't into this idea of of those two at all i think i would just need to see more i'm not opposed to it necessarily but i was like over all their fighting last season yeah i could be into them depending on where they go this season. I just wasn't a fan of how their relationship developed last season and how predictable it was. Like they're fighting like cats and dogs. Obviously it's all professional, but then of course they wind up together because a man and a woman can't seem to work in close quarters together on television unless they're sleeping together too. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think I, it took me a long time. I don't know if I've even fully come around to her character yet, much less anything beyond that. Yeah. It took us a while. I mean, I'm still not there a hundred percent, but I definitely am more of a fan of her than I was in like when she was introduced or even halfway through last season. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, I could come around on them, but like I said, this was just so out of nowhere, this whole episode with like, how deep it seems she clearly cares about him. And I was like, where did this come from? Yeah, I think that's what season four is going to be about for Ava, though, is kind of seeing who she is outside of the OR and seeing that she's not who the the cutthroat surgeon she is in the OR is not who she is as a person. Yeah. So I feel like that's what they might develop in season four, which actually I'm here for because she's a strong character. It's just, you know, show us more. So um, elsewhere, and we did, you know, we there was basically Connor has this idea for a hybrid OR in the ED, and that kind of sparks a lot of the action for the episode. So the board won't approve it because they just like to be difficult. And Ava finally just takes matters into her own hands and she goes to Connor's dad. Yikes. And she, and she like 
she yeah she basically takes the fact that he was totally into her last season because he's a creeper yeah um and she plays it to her advantage and she flirts with him and he ends up donating the money so how do we think connor's gonna feel about this when he finds out is he gonna be pissed or is he gonna be like well we got the job done he's gonna be pissed right i mean yeah there's gonna be feelings about that for sure i think Especially if he's coming around on his personal feelings for her. Like, I think he'd be pissed regardless, but I think he's going to be even more pissed because he she was flirting with his father and he care, they care about each other now, apparently. Who knows? Whatever this is. But it's yeah, he's going to he's gonna be pissed. He's, there's no way he's not going to be pissed. And Connor's probably going to be really angry that his father's money is what funded the thing that he had the idea for because he hates to do anything where his father's involved. He always likes to be independent of his father. So yeah, Connor's temper is probably going to make an appearance when that happens. When he's not even just the thing that his idea, like Connor's father is basically funding his job. Like Connor's going to be work like that. Connor's going to be in the ED more basically working out of this OR. Like mm-hmm. this guy, I mean, Connor's father is basically funding his job. And I wouldn't take that well if it was me, but yeah. Yeah, no, Connor's going to be pissed. And plus, I mean, I wonder if that means that maybe not his father, but like the board is going to have a closer eye on him because of the circumstances surrounding the project. So Connor's always going to have somebody over his shoulder. Probably. Yeah. It's a really interesting setup. And I thought I, yeah. I was really excited by the idea too, just like the idea that he had. Um, and and that first of all, just that's a great idea. And second of all, that 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 becomes a catalyst for so much more. Um, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I actually started googling hybrid ORs just because I was genuinely curious. And apparently, I don't, I couldn't find anything where where it's been done like this, like in an emergency room. But apparently, like the idea of a hybrid OR is that you take like the OR setup and put like a cath lab in it. So that they have the access to, like, do all the stuff that they would do in a cath lab while they're also, like, operating and, like, do that whatever. Um, which I thought was really interesting. But, I, I mean, I didn't do really that much Googling to see if it exists in an ED. But I think it's a cool idea. And I'm excited to see where this storyline goes. Because I really like this idea. Plus, any excuse to have Connor in the ED more is, like, always great. That was my number one reason for absolutely loving this. I was like, Connor's going to be in the ED like all the time. Because <laughs> that was one of our chief complaints last season was that Connor was always upstairs with Ava and Latham. We were like, no, like we want him downstairs with everybody else. Yeah. So that's exciting. I'm excited. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. So elsewhere, we had the Dr. Charles and Reese storyline which we got a little bit of resolution there i guess this was odd to me this whole the whole way that this wrapped up was really weird to me yeah i agree with that it was definitely it seemed like it was way more of a storyline written because they were trying to write this character out rather than like what probably what they had envisioned this like the way this wrapping up it was odd yeah it was really odd um I mean, so we, I mean, we, we saw the scene again from the end of season three, basically, you know, Reese's father has a heart attack. Dr. Charles just kind of stands there and Sarah comes in and Sarah's like, what the fuck? 
So then we come back and, you know, in articles I'd read and everything, a lot of places were saying they were like, you know, is Sarah aware of what Dr. Charles was going to do, implying that Dr. Charles was going to leave him to die. I mean, that that doesn't seem to me like something Dr. Charles would do. So I read that and I was like, shit, I don't know if y'all think like if y'all would find that plausible or what. But I was really surprised about that. I was like, I don't think he would do that. He thought about it. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He thought about it. He almost did. Man. I mean, he he, he hesitated um, yeah. very clearly. And so he, he was thinking about it for sure and for complex reasons, right? But um, I don't know if. I, I don't know if I see him going through with it had he had the opportunity. Right. Had he not been interrupted, but he definitely thought about it. Yeah. That's, that is some Hank Voigt shit right there. Well, and Gina, you know what this episode made me think of and like Dr. Charles portrayal in this episode, it really reminded me of the Dr. Charles we saw in the backdoor pilot, like a much more darker, like, uh, is he like totally ethical is he not you know like there was the like whole drinking scene and I was like are we really going back to this like it just reminded me of a much darker grittier version like we saw in the backdoor pilot on fire originally yeah that's a good point I didn't even think of that as soon as I saw that drinking scene I was like oh my gosh we're not going here again are we I don't remember yeah. I don't think I remember his character I mean, obviously, I remember his character being there, but, like, I don't think I remember what you're talking about. Well, so we did that episode a couple weeks ago now, like, on the podcast, and we actually, Gina had found, like, one of the scripts. So, like, we went through and, like, compared what actually aired to, like, what was written originally in the script and how he was described. And, like, the first, like, one of the first times you're introduced to Dr. Charles, he's, like, apparently, like, smoking out in his car and, like... It's, there's like a whole bunch of references to like drinking and he's just like a much more darker grittier sarcastic version in the backdoor pilot and then to me it feels like it kind of switches a little bit in like the actual med canon um but yeah so that's just more what i and i guess probably because we had just recently done that episode a couple weeks ago but that's what i was thinking of in this i was like oh this is a little bit darker than we've ever seen dr charles that's interesting. So maybe that dark version of him does exist. Maybe. Canon. Maybe it does. I don't know. And like I said, I don't know if that'll continue, but that's just what I thought of as we were going through with this episode. Especially after, like you said, like he kind of hesitated about what he was going to do with Sarah's father. There was the whole drinking thing. I was just, it just reminded me of that. Yeah. Yeah. So Reese is just irate. She's just so angry. And all I can really recall with her is like one scene where she storms into Dr. Charles's office. She's like, I'm leaving med. I'm going to Baylor. Bye. And just storms back out. Yeah. And there was the whole, I mean, obviously the Baylor reference. Hello. Like, this is one Chicago. Texas in the house. Well, also one Chicago, like half of one Chicago went to Baylor. Or half of fire went to Baylor. It's true. So. For real though. I was like, okay. Yeah. Nice callback. <laughs> Always with the Baylor. Yeah. Always the Baylor. So, yeah. So th that was happening with Reese. She left. Goodwin was like, Sarah's leaving? Okay, moving on. <laughs> and then we saw Noah for like a m second at the end. Yeah, I guess his marathon's over. <laughs> He's accepted his marathon's over. Poor Noah. Yeah. Talk about we could have had something. I feel like that line applies more to Noah and Sarah than Connor and Ava. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. 
man. Yeah. Just weird. And then, sorry, as I cough, that's sexy. Um, what was that last scene with Dr. Charles going to see him in prison? The hell was that? <laughs> I, I still have no words on that scene. Uh, it's still... I got some, like, really creepy American Horror Story style <laughs> vibes from that scene. I was like, what is happening on my TV right now? <laughs> yeah, I still... I don't know. Are we gonna... Do you think we're... I mean, like, is the Sarah's father... It's gotta be done, right? Like, that's the end of the Sarah's father storyline, like, for good? Because she's no longer here? I don't know. I, don't I, mean, know. I mean, you would think so, right? But that last scene made it seem like everything is still up in the air. Right. And that's why I was so confused. I was like, I figured once she left, like, he would go to jail or whatever he, whatever this is. And then that would be it. And he would be done. And I, but, like, that last scene, I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe we're not so done with him. Maybe they're taking Dr. Charles in that dark direction we saw in the backdoor pilot. Maybe. Like you were saying. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they are taking him down that road. I don't know. I mean, I think he's going to – I think for sure Dr. Charles is going to, like, have some issues. I mean, he basically said – I mean, Sarah's like a surrogate daughter to him. Like, he's going to be really affected by her leaving. But, yeah, I I don't know. I'm so – And he did tell one of the med students – like, he snaps at one of the med students during the episode, and he does tell him he's like, I'm kind of dealing with a loss. So – Yeah. That's true. I don't know. That last scene was weird, though. So weird. So weird. I feel like it. there should have been like creepy carnival music playing in the back with like a clown. I got the weirdest vibe off that scene. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of the med students, we also met the two newbies who have joined for season four. We met Elsa and we met Terry. So what did we think of the new med students? I didn't realize we were going to meet them so early on. I figured, I mean, we hadn't really heard anything about them since that, like, the deadline announced their casting. So I was like, oh, I guess they're going to be, like, episode four or five, maybe even a little later. But so I was kind of shocked to see them. But, I mean, I'm, I like them. I'm curious to see where their storylines go. I really like seeing Molly Bernard play someone that's not Lauren. I think she's great at this. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I was really... Yeah. Ashley, do you watch Younger? I do, and I was really excited to see her. I, I hadn't followed the casting news for the show, and I had no idea until I saw the episode, and I was like, wait, is that... Is that... And she's great in this. She's so great. She's yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was definitely expecting a more like scholarly version of Lauren. And uh, so I was very surprised and happy, happily surprised when I saw that. I was like, oh no, oh no, no. This character is night and day from Lauren. So that'll be interesting to see where that goes. And then Terry, the only scoop we got was that he was a football player at some point. So I think that casting announcement got it wrong when we were talking about baseball and we were like, what? Yeah, well, they just like referenced, they were like, he's a football player that plays in the MLB. And I was like, something somewhere is wrong. But okay, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, I liked both their characters. I'm curious, though, I wonder if because they're now, there's now two new med students. Granted, Noah had graduated from med, like he was, you know, further along. But I wonder what effect that'll have on Noah slash Roland's role on the show. But we'll see yeah we will see we will see so we've also got to touch on good old sex toy chexton sex toy you know the main thing here was not with their relationship per se it was more so concerned with emily so 
as the episode starts, Dr. Troy is like, Emily is my sister. We're going to take her in, whatever. April was like, she needs help. By the end of the episode, Dr. Troy was like, GTFO. And April was like, no, no, I'm here for you. Because Emily comes back to the hospital after Connor's goodbye party. And she is pregnant. Ethan's reaction to this was not weird, but I was kind of like, what the hell are they doing right now? Yeah, I don't know where they're trying to go with this. Yeah, because, I mean, Ethan basically implied that his sister needed to get an abortion, right? Like, we're not going to cut corners here. That's exactly what he was implying. Yeah. Yeah. It was rough. I mean, this whole thing makes me uncomfortable. Um, it, it, it just all feels really rough to me. And, and um, I don't know. I don't know. I find myself getting upset with, with all of the characters um, about how they're, they're reacting to her. Or not all of the characters, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, this, this could go in a really bad bad direction depending on which way they decide to take this because you know if Ethan's over here saying that you know his sister can't keep the baby and he sticks to that narrative the entire audience is going to turn on him yeah I I would think so but yeah yeah I don't know it's like you said and then it's like you have to add in the whole aspect of like well do we think like because it's clear that her, it seems like her idea of whether she wants to keep the baby or not is going to be hinged on whether this boyfriend or whatever this guy in her AA meeting is going to, like, if he's happy with it, I think she'll keep it. If he's not so happy with it, then maybe she does choose to follow her big brother. And then I think that's going to also cause more drama. And I think it really just depends, too, on what this boyfriend of Emily's says, too. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, yes, um, it's a slippery slope is uh, my overall impression of the whole Emily storyline that we're setting up. I mean, it could go in a completely different direction, but yeah, you know, I, I was really surprised because when when they got her scans back and Ethan looked at it and his face changed like super quickly, I thought for sure there were going to be drugs in her system. Yeah, yeah, I thought something was like wrong, like medically or something like that thought they were going to say she had cancer that she had drugs in her system that something like you said yeah medically was wrong oh i i guess yeah but i was like oh did not see her being pregnant but okay sure his yeah i feel like dr Choi's reaction was way out of proportion with the news oh definitely um, but definitely yeah yeah just, just that's a tough one that that's one that I'm even like, even talking about it, I'm like, careful, careful, because that's some delicate subject matter. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. Um, Elsewhere, I mean, we had a little bit of Maggie here because somewhere along the way, Maggie became a certified ASL interpreter. Yeah. When did she become? I mean, she's always been a badass, but I was like, okay, another thing we didn't know about Maggie. This is why Maggie needs more screen time. Okay, great. I buy it, though. I buy anything like that with her, you know? I assume she can just do anything. She's such a badass. Yeah. 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 It, like, didn't surprise me, but I was like, oh, okay, we're going this. Okay, great. I'm here for this. 
I mean, that's got to be a Marlin thing, right? That they were like, oh, Marlin knows sign language. Let's incorporate this into Maggie. Why yeah. Not? Why not? Yeah, I didn't even think about that's that. Awesome. But yeah, that was definitely probably. I'm also just really happy. I mean, one of my favorite shows um, was Switched at Birth. And so this just kind of gave me a little bit of throwback to that. And so I was just, I really like that storyline. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we did get a couple of tweets because uh, this was a sneak peek with, you know, Natalie's patient who was deaf. And um, a lot of people tweeted after that sneak peek and they were like, I'm really glad to see that they're, you know, they're showing a patient who's deaf and they're kind of representing that. And so I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's something, something Med does well. I like is, that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, they're really, really good with that. So do we have any other notes on the Med season premiere? Any minor tidbits? Anything we want to throw in? No, I think we can move to the bigger elephant in the room or in our yes. <laughs> the fire, the fire of it all. All right, all right. Moving on to the Dossie-sized elephant in the room. <laughs> oh, yeah, stretch it out for this one. Okay, so yeah, that is the med season premiere, and it'll be interesting to see where we go from there. All right, we're gonna start with fire. Oh boy. Okay. I mean. Even the very first opening image of just Casey's eye, like, broke me. I was just like, first off, your eyes are incredible. Second off, can I hug you, please? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. He just, yeah. He looks broken. Just completely broken. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 100%. It's like, like you said, it's kind of depressing. It, yeah, it really is. And pl- I mean, I feel like you could, I don't know, maybe they messed with the lighting in the Dossie apartment or something, but like the mood had totally shifted. That apartment went from somewhere that was like the Dossie apartment to like, oh, it's so right. empty and sad. Well, because that's where it all went down. We're never going to be able to see it the same yeah. way again. True. Yeah. We really are not. No. Maybe that can be the place where they store the Halstead Brothers ring after that proposal goes awry and then just, like, torch it and get all the bad juju out of one Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know. Um, Yeah, so Casey looks completely broken. And, you know, we go back to the firehouse. The Stellarides are happy and adorable, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And we get the first call, like, right off the bat. The fuck was that first call? That was Chicago fire season for me, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean, we all kind of knew, like, we'd seen the promo, like, the little bit of promo teasers and stuff and, like, the photos of, like, we knew Casey, like, dove in this thing. I did not realize that the elevator was going to keep coming down and down and down and down and literally almost squish him. I was like, holy shit. Well, he almost became a pancake. <laughs> but I think it was so... It's so interesting to me how these fire, especially especially with Casey and Severide, whatever is going on in their personal lives affects very directly how they react um, on their calls, right? And so that was the case for Casey here. He was like, ah, I'll just jump right in there, you know, and 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 he's you know he's not. Uh, He's not thinking real clearly, I guess. Yeah, he was... And we very... Go ahead. Go ahead, Brad. I was just going to say, he's so numb in this moment. Like you said, like, he wasn't even thinking. And then it was like, as soon as they finally get the elevator to stop and he realizes how close he was from actually, like, getting squished like a pancake and dying, like, his eyes just go so wide. And it was like, he finally had this moment of, holy shit, like, I need to reevaluate some things and 
figure out what this Gabby situation is and, you know, like you said, like not let it directly affect my per- professional stuff because it's going to it could cost me my life. I feel like we very seldom see a situation where Severide is the thinker and the planner and Casey's the one who is just like, fuck it all. And just slides on in. It's usually the other way around. But I feel like even when something is happening in Severide's personal life, he still, there's still that part of him that's like, do your job and do it properly. Because after Shay died, I mean, he was still grieving and he was drinking and partying and everything, but he still came in and got the job done. He just kind of shut everything off and was focused on work. And so I feel like there's still that part of his brain that operates responsibly. But with Casey, I mean... It's angry Casey. When Casey's angry, he is just like, and all common sense just goes right out the window. So this whole time he like jumps in this elevator shaft and he's trying to hold it up with his bare hands. He's got everybody desperately trying to stop this thing. Like Stella and Otis put up broomsticks or something at one point. Yeah. And then Tony put the trash can in. And all I'm thinking in this moment, I'm like just face palming. I'm like, Casey, you're such an idiot. Like, what the hell are you doing? Right. Well, Nate's like, what does he think he's doing trying to, like, he cannot hold up that elevator himself. Like, what the fuck was he thinking? You are not Superman, Casey. Right. Not Superman. Like, at that point, you should just lie down. Like, you weren't gonna stop it. Like, you had to wait for them up there to, I don't know. I was like, this is stupid. He's being stupid. Oh, man. I do love that we open with something so... You know, I mean, it's very Chicago Fire. Like, I love that we open with, you know, something suspenseful and crazy right from the get-go. Yeah. 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 It's great. So I also liked how when they were leaving, Severide was like, listen, I don't want to step on your captainness, but, like, don't ever fucking do that again. <laughs> yep. Um, I, yeah, I love when Severide's the one talking sense into Casey. It's always so great. Yeah. Yeah. The I don't want to step on your captainness was a pretty great line. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Yeah. Oh. So then we also got the Connie tribute. We finally got the tribute that, you know, I feel like this tribute was a long time coming. All the fucking tears. My God. It was amazing. It was I, perfect. I love that they gave her a happy ending um, instead of you know, killing off the character or something like that, like, to, to give her this, you know, wonderful, happy ending, I thought was, was really sweet and special. Yeah, and to yeah. put in all the details from Dushan's, like, actual life, like, the masters in counseling and, you know, the, the actual school where Dushan was working and, yeah. But, like, what actually broke me, though, was when Herman's like, I, we didn't even get to say goodbye. And I was oh, like, I'm done. I'm crying. Oh, like, I know. all yeah. the fucking tears. My God. And then Bowden was like, she knows we love her. I was like, oh, Yeah. And I was like, oh, my, my gosh. It was perfect and sweet and wonderful. And I hope they keep that desk empty, like, the whole season. Uh, I don't think so. Remember in one of the spoiler somethings, there's somebody coming in eye and has, yeah. As long as her name's not Hope. Whatever. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Although Hope's probably in jail now for something, right? She's got to be. I hope so. Less than a year later, she probably oh. is. She was cray-cray. So we also met the new medic. We met Miss Emily Foster. What do we think of Emily so far? I like her. Yeah, I mean, so far so good. Yeah, so far so good. I mean, I 
I don't know if I like love her yet, but I also, I mean, I don't hate her by any means. I, I mean, yeah, I like her. Um, I'll be curious, like, like to see how she develops and to see, especially when she starts getting more involved with everyone else that's not Brett. So, like, in episode three, what we were talking about with her giving personal advice to Cruz, we'll see how that goes. And, yeah, but I like her. Yeah. I, what did you guys think of the tidbit at the end when they got to med and the guy was like, is that Emily Foster? And he was like, oh, how far the mighty have fallen. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm really, it makes me interested in her backstory. I mean, just right away. I want to know what happened there. Yeah. I mean, I would assume she was a doctor at some point or at some, like, working her way up to be a doctor. And then I don't know what happened. And then she fell, um, fell from, but theoretically, but yeah. I don't know. So, so far, so good. You know, they haven't taken her in a Roman direction. We don't hate her off the bat, so. (laughs) Her call, though, was, uh, that was bloody and gross, and I definitely was not looking the entire time. Oh, me either. Oh, I couldn't look. Oh, I couldn't look at it at all. Oh, with the eye? Yeah. Didn't Grace do something like that, too? Probably. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Yeah. Yeah, I always, yeah, just... And again, I'm good with blood, but I was just, anything with the eye and then, like, cutting into it, I was like, nope, I can't do this. Uh, Nope. Nope. We're good. We're good. Oh, no. Yeah, that was, that was, that was very much, very much. We also got a really casual surprise in this episode. Did you guys even have any sort, did you, did any part of you in a million years think we would see Gabby Dawson ever again? No. No. Uh, Um, no, I, I mean... I think I had I had just about no no no. I, I think maybe down because I know they've always said that if she ever wanted to come back, like they would. So I was thinking maybe you know like a season nine or a season ten, you know, like later on down the line, like sure, but not this season and definitely not the first episode. I was like, holy shit! I mean, kudos to them for keeping it a secret. Like I said, I never saw that coming, like in a million years. Yeah. It was a really, really good surprise. Like, really good surprise. And shout out to everybody for keeping it a secret, like you said. Because, yeah. That, wow. It was worth it. Wow. When he, oh, yeah, absolutely. When he FaceTimed her, I was expecting it to just, like, go to voicemail or whatever happens when you FaceTime somebody and they don't answer. And when I heard her and she was like, Matt, I was like, (laughs) get the fuck out. (laughs) Pretty much. Gabby. Pretty much. I mean, I don't know if I was cheering necessarily because I knew probably it wasn't going to end well. But I was like, holy shit. And then when she actually, like, is there at the end, I was like, oh, my fucking God. What is this? But I'm so happy because I was I was really concerned about the way that they left it and then that we were never going to see her again and they were just going to leave it that way. And that that was going to feel so... I, I don't know. I don't know. Unsatisfying. Yeah. I mean, at least. Well, yeah, it was going to feel the same way it did with Linstead, where it was just like a hard stop. And you're like, but wait, there's so much stuff that we have to wrap up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, she looked happier in Puerto Rico than she ever did in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. She was definitely yeah. happy there. For sure. And it makes Which was kind of bittersweet because she was thrilled. Yeah, it makes a lot of. I mean, he even says it right. Like it makes a lot of sense for her. Um, so if she's going to leave, I like that. That's what she's doing. 
Um, I like that she's not killed off. I like that they didn't kill her off, you know, um, or, or something like that. Yeah, I'm just yeah. surprised, like, to me, what I almost, I mean, I guess this is, like, not surprising because it's Casey, but, like, almost anyone else, I would expect him to be bitter and, like, pissed, and he has no ounce of, like, hatred or anything towards her. He, I mean, like you said, he understands, like, he knows, like, when he thinks about it, like, she makes sense in Puerto Rico. But to me, like, my first thoughts, I was like, how the fuck is he not bitter and pissed? Because that would be me if I was, like, if it was reverse, and I would, uh, that would be me. I'd be bitter and pissed and all the things. Mm-hmm. And he's not. Yeah. No, he's really not. And that, that last scene was, I don't, yeah, I mean, it was, it was good, but it was also, I was surprised as well. And, like, I think the line that killed me was when, you know, she was like, I didn't expect this when I left. And he was like, I'm just lucky I got to walk alongside you as long as I did. I was like, I had to, like, rewind to get the quote right. And then the second time I did, they just, I was like, why is water coming out of my mouth? What's <laughs> happening right now? I just felt all of the feels. And I was like, <sighs> like, <laughs> that was brutal. But, but how do we feel i mean brenda what were you gonna say no i think we're getting ready to lead into the same thing my thing was gonna be but like is that the official end like is him saying that line like does that mean their relationship as we know it as like a married couple are they over is this like like you said i mean like is this closure like is i mean is that is their relationship over like for real now because of that i mean i i took that as that that's the end that's what i thought that's what i took it as so they're going to go from married and trying for a baby to amicably divorcing? I mean, it blows my mind, but I, I think that we were meant to see that. I could be wrong, I, but I, I think, think we were once meant to see Casey that said that, that just seemed like a very, like, fiend-like moment. That's, like, that's it. And, you know, I guess the, I mean, because Derek had all this said, this said this stuff about long-distance marriage and, you know, all of that, but it seemed to be, like, a very premiere episode, like, quote and he was talking about the premiere episode and it just seems I don't know like I said it just seemed very like that's it to me I also don't think I would want to see them try to drag it on beyond this point knowing that she's not going to be able to just pop up in more episodes all the time like that we're not going to see FaceTime calls or anything like that so I'd I, I don't I don't know how I would feel about them trying to to drag it on any more than this yeah, and I'd been saying that, or, like, theorizing that all summer, that I kind of, if I saw it going anywhere, I saw it maybe being, like, a half-season thing, like, that long-distance marriage. I didn't see it being even a whole season storyline. Um, but, yeah, now, especially that I've seen that, like, it just seems so done to me. Which is, again, sad, but, like, it to me, this is, like, proof that they're done. Yeah, yeah. I feel like... A, that is the most Gabby position that Gabby could possibly take in her life, like heading up that team of doctors and lawyers and engineers and everything. That's such a Gabby position. And I mean, that is something that she was like born to do. But I also feel like Casey is just going to have a lot of unresolved feelings. Like, yeah, he's saying, I'm proud of you. You know, I'm just lucky I got to walk alongside you as long as I did. I feel like he's burying his own, you know, grief and his own sadness when he says that, though, yeah, there's no way that he's like, "Welp." Well, that's no. what I'm saying is like he was so calm, cool, and collected this whole time. 
if I was him, I'd be bitter and pissed. And like you said, dealing with grief and whatever other feelings he's dealing with. So it just kind of surprised me at how cool and calm and collected he was. But I'm sure, like you said, I'm sure it's going to come up. But it was just surprising in the premiere that we didn't see any of that. I wonder if it all affects, you know, how he reacts. I I mean, I imagine it would, how he acts as, you know, captain um, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Derek has said that at certain points this season, we'll see, you know, a lighter, happier side of Casey. So I don't know. We'll see. But how do we feel about this as closure? Do we consider this closure? Do we like it? Are we satisfied? I'm more satisfied than I would have been. Yeah, I think I think it would have felt I don't know whose decision it was to have her come back, but I think. I can't imagine it ending any way other than this. Like, if it has to end and it has to be, like, I think this was the best way they could have done about it, gone about it. Because I think if we hadn't had Monica involved, it would have just felt weird and, like, that there was always something missing. So I think if we have to end it, this is the best way they could have done it. For both the fans and just the writing, I think this was the best way to go about it. Yep. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I agree. So, but yeah, I mean, props to everybody for keeping that a surprise because it was a good one. For real. Very, it was a very, very good one. For yeah. real. So other notes in this episode, um, we met Gorsh and really the only takeaways I have from that is that he is a very short micromanager and he's annoying and he can leave now. Yes. That's about all I got Same. from him. Yep. Yeah. Just keep an eye on this history he and Bowden have apparently because I feel like that's going to play up more eventually down the line. And I feel like I, we never really got the clear version of that story. So Gorsh and Bowden worked together way back in the day, and it came time to consider Gorsh for a promotion or something. And Bowden was super honest and kind of like derailed his career. Is that the gist of it? Well, it was like end of your like review or something, and Bowden like said the truth, and then yeah, that was kind of it. That he wasn't a good firefighter, right? Right, like, yeah. That, that he was not so, a good firefighter and whatever else happened that made him not a good firefighter, we don't know. But yeah, in a fear review, he wasn't a good firefighter. So then they were like, well, maybe you should go to headquarters and like work out of there. Yeah, so when after the squad guys, the squad guys go to like fuel up the truck and then this construction worker hits a power line with his drill. Long story short, the guy's like on fire and it was kind of cool. But yeah, Severi like just completely tackles the guy. It's pretty amazing. Anyway, Gorsh comes down on him and Gorsh is like, what the fuck were you doing? Did you forget your training? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Severide's like waxing poetic. He's like, talk to your supervisor. He's the one who trained me. And this is the moment of the episode where I'm like, Severide eyes, they're amazing and just supremely blue. So that's always worth noting. I I feel like I need to go back through all of the past episodes and like all six seasons and note all of the moments of Severide eyes. Oh, that's a good idea. You really should. He has amazing eyes. I know. What? I know. They're incredible. And then like his, like with his dark hair, just like they pop and just whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Gorsh seems awful and and annoying really annoying yeah he seems like an asshole and i hate that we're gonna have to deal with him for a while yeah i do like though this side of Bowden. i have to say i like anything that brings this out in him i think it's really fun to see him you know have to have adversaries like this 
Yeah, like when he gets really protective and is like, don't fuck with my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's great. So um, elsewhere, you know, Otis had this chess game going on with um, who he thought was a member of the third shift. It turned out it was just Stella, um, which was really funny. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I liked the chess game. I thought it was really cute. I The competition between Stella and Otis is always entertaining. Yeah. So I'm, I'm here for it. I like it. I just love when they mess with him and everyone, like, Otis was, like, so annoyed with it. And he, like, went out into the other, like, the hallway or something. And Mouch was telling Cruz, he's like, you know how to speak chess? And Cruz is like, no, you know, I just want to fuck with them. And I'm like, yes, this is why I love their, like, camaraderie. It's just all so good. Always so good. Yeah. I like the humor that they bring in with stuff like this, too. Fire's show. so like, good at the humor. Fire's really... They find a really good balance... They find a really good way to have balance between, like, the humor and the serious, and this is just another good example of them mm-hmm. excelling. Yep. It's perfect. It's perfect. There's a small detail in there. When Otis is reading his chess book, the author of the book is Michael Gilvery, who I'm thinking is one of the writer's wives or is there there's a Gilbert on the writing staff uh yeah i'm googling this now but i didn't notice that michael for some reason i want to say there's an andrea Gilbert, but i don't think that's right i think andrea newman is who i'm thinking of no i think michael Gilbert is a writer i think i think i don't know i can't find it this quick but well i'll double check but yes but yes, I caught that name. That was funny. I got a little chuckle out of that. That was funny. But yeah, the chess game was good. You know what I wonder is with because you know how when we got to send Derek those questions and he was talking about the crossover and he said, you know, one injury is going to be physical and the other is going to be mental. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. I just uh, I um I just I am and and we've got uh, oh there is yeah. a michael gilbert okay yep. yeah yep. i was just looking at that yeah he's producer writer yeah so it's him that's funny i thought you were showing us the ad for whatever that was on the page, Ashley, and i was like what are you doing <laughs> no that what was the ad i didn't even see it i don't even know um, sometimes i wish the listeners could see us just so they know what craziness we're talking about but yeah <sighs> Yeah, and so uh, I'm wondering, because, you know, Derek had said one of the injuries is physical and one is mental. I wonder if Stella and Otis have, like, a friendly competition thing going on during this crossover, and that's how Stella gets hurt. Oh, no. Maybe. That's a good, interesting. And Otis is the one who feels guilty? I don't know. I just assume that from that, the mental one was going to be severide because of, like, how affected he's going to be, but I could be completely wrong. But that, that's an interesting theory that it's Otis and he feels guilty for whatever reason. It's an interesting theory. Yeah. And then after the crossover, maybe we should just bubble wrap Otis forever. That'd be just great. both of them. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, yeah. Just just bubble wrap Otis. Maybe just put him in like the briefing room or something. Leave him there. I don't bubble know. Bubble wrap Stella. You know, all the things. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, all of it. Yes. Oh, speaking of Stella, I really wanted more... Severide and Stella. I mean, we got we got some good Stella and Severide in this episode, but like not enough. I didn't feel like I wanted. I more. agree. I I thought there should have been a little bit more, and I'm assuming that's because I mean I would assume it's coming in the crossover and like thereafter. Um, but yeah, I want more of it. I did love the moment when she snuck up behind him and he was like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "I'm trying to steal your coffee." 
I thought that they're was so cute. They're really good. Really, really good. Um, elsewhere, did you notice the pillow that says Mouch's spot? No. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a pillow now in Mouch's spot, and it specifically says Mouch's spot. I want to go back and find this. <laughs> I want to go back and watch and find it. That's adorable. That was amusing. And then yeah, the last bit we got a Casey Subaride and boat and boat trip. Give me all the boat trips forever and awesome. always. Yeah, that was really cool. I really liked that. That was sweet. It was cool. Does this replace cigar chats now? Is this the new cigar chat? I mean, it's clear. It's up there. Nothing will ever replace cigar chats in my heart, but it's up there. I was a little surprised we didn't see Baby Boat in. Like, could you imagine Terrence with Uncle Casey and Uncle Kelly? Oh my god. Stop. That'd be a lot of fun. I know. You're killing me. Slowly. <laughs> but yeah, that was yeah, yeah I, I like that. That was cool. That was really good. I'll take it. I'll take it. So, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts about fire? Any tidbits? Any notes? Anything I'm missing? I feel like we're missing something for fire. I mean, there was a lot. Yeah, that was all the big stuff. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think that's about it. But yeah, that was fire. That was crazy. The Gabby part was just mind-blowing. Yeah, mind-blowing. So that's what we got for fire. So now we shall move into the final hour. Oh, boy. OPD. So the only thing I can think to start with here is, um, Bryna, we got our wish and then some about Ruzik and Antonio, didn't we? Oh, about their the tension between the two of them? Oh, we got our wish. Yeah, they definitely did not. I remember, I mean, last week we were like, yeah, like, I wonder if they're going to actually, like, how far they're going to go with this. They went, they, like, ran with it. Oh, yeah, they were like, don't you worry. We're going to run that marathon and more. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So the episode starts and Voight, Voight just got the shit kicked out of him somewhere. I don't even know. He's, like, yeah, what drunk and passed out on his couch. I mean, I guess he got beat up, but, like, yikes. No idea. I Bar fight? I, I have no idea. Don't know. It was crazy. And then a plaid, of course, is like, what the hell happened to you? Because apparently they haven't been able to reach him for days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a mess. But basically, the they get wind of the case. And, you know, there's a couple of bad heroin deals. And we meet Anne Hayes' character. The first thing I wrote down in my notes and I probably, like, shouldn't even share this because it's mean. I was just like, her character's voice is really annoying. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe just because I was like, Hank is, excuse you, Hank is working. Can you leave him be, please? Like, you're being very rude right now. <laughs> Maybe that was my issue. Well, that makes sense. But, but yeah, so what what do we think of this character so far, Anne Heche's character? I mean, she's here to cause trouble. Like, she... She's here to fuck shit. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I could have been different. Yeah, like I don't hate her, I don't love her, but like she's gonna fuck shit up. Yeah, but basically, she starts the episode and she's like, "Hi, I'm new. Get the fuck off the case. You're suspended." And so I feel like maybe that's why I was like, "Whoa, I I don't like you." <laughs> like, what is this? Stop it! But there was, I mean, a great great moment of this was when so the team gets there, and he's like, "So funny story. I'm off the case." And Halstead and Rusick and all of them are like, what the hell, why? 
And it's like it's something with the something with the shooting. Oh, this is so great. So Ruzik looks at Antonio and goes, way to step up, bro. And Antonio goes, stay out of this, Adam. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ashley, you watched Parks and Rec, right? Yeah. You know that gif of Andy when he I think Ron tells him something and through the window you see his face just light up like, oh, snap. Like that oh, was my face. I yeah. was like, oh, I can't believe Adam just said that, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I really loved that. Sorry, Antonio, but it was fucking awesome. But yeah, that was a great moment. And then, I mean, I got the vibe on this that like literally nobody in the unit was happy about Antonio taking point. Same. I don't think anyone was happy, but I think they can all respect. I think a lot of them can respect that he was appointed to like Voight put him in charge. So you kind of have to play by Antonio's rules. Like he's the one running case on this point. No point on this case backwards, but yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I think they, I don't think anyone was happy about it necessarily, but I think they all respected it except for Adam. Right. Yeah. And I don't think they would have been happy about anybody taking point. I mean, you know, right. I thought this was interesting, though, to put them in this situation to begin with. Um, I feel like I keep saying things like that, by the way. I keep being like, oh, I think it's interesting that they're put in this situation. Um, <laughs> um, but I think to, you know, to take Voight out of the, the picture, I, I thought was an interesting thing. I can't say any other words besides interesting. Um, a, a cool place to put those characters. Yeah, and it was interesting because I don't think we've ever seen Antonio fully in charge like that. No, he's always ever, it's like, you know, for an hour or so if he's ever run point on a case. Right. Um, but I also think it's interesting to see that them try to operate. I mean, I think compared to obviously Fire and Med, like PD is only operating as if it's been like a couple of days since Alice died. So to see them have to navigate their grief while working too, I think that obviously adds more you know, another complex layer into the whole situation. Um, but yeah, I think to see them have to navigate in that sense too was also really interesting. Yeah, it, yeah, it was really interesting. And it, I mean, seeing Antonio work this case, I I feel like when, when, I, when I think about, you know, how did he do on this case, the first thing that comes to mind, I'm like, well, he didn't do a very good job. But am I, is that because I'm comparing him to Voight or, you know, was he hindered by Adam being Adam? I feel like there were a lot of things at play here, and maybe Antonio is not solely to blame. Yeah, I don't think he's solely to blame. I think, I don't think it was necessarily, I think there were some things that he did that weren't right. I think there were some, you know, Ruzik showing him up every chance that he got was also probably not that helpful. And I also just think this was a hard case to figure out, too. Like, not that any case is easy, but, you know, just the rate at which people were dying, you know, because of this heroin that was laced with battery acid, of all things, like, and they weren't getting any solid leads. I mean, I think if Void had been doing this, I think it would have been a hard case to figure out, too. Or maybe not, because Void's right, the one that gave right. them all the answers. But, you know what I'm saying, like, I don't think it was solely Antonio's fault. I think Antonio could have maybe listened to Ruzik a little bit more, but... I think it was like a couple different things that played into why it seemed like such a disaster. I don't get the vibe that Ruzik was doing what he was doing to show Antonio up. I think he was 
just trying to solve the case and he just knows what works. I mean, that's the vibe I got. I didn't I didn't think that Ruzik was trying to show him up. I think. No, but well, I, maybe part of him was, though. You know how Adam yeah, is. Yeah, but I think I mean, you know, there is like trying to do its best and solve the case. But like when somebody says something, you know, especially at this moment when intelligence is under watch for Void's actions, they kind of have to play by the rules and Ruzik may not like it, but there is some rules set in place for reasons, you know, mm-hmm. and if Voight was taken off the case and wasn't supposed to have anything to do with it, then maybe he should have listened and maybe, but again, then maybe he shouldn't have because they obviously solved the case faster than anyone else. I don't know. It's a whole back and back, back and forth thing, but. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, yeah. And then every time that, Antonio or every time Ruzik basically got a piece of information that wasn't discussed in the bullpen Antonio was immediately like you've been talking to Voight which like okay he was right but you know what mm, I think he was right I think the thing that slightly bothers me about Ruzik in this episode is like I understand where he's coming from that you know, Voight is his guy. Voight is the one that, you know, took him under his wing and, you know, he wants to, like, he believes in Voight's methods and I get that. Like, doesn't matter what you do, just get it done and do it, like, do the best good that you can. I get that. But also, I mean, I also can't understand, like, why he doesn't see where Antonio is coming from. Like, he just has his blinders on and he's, like, all on Team Voight. And it kind of bothers me that he's not seeing that, like, Antonio doesn't want to get up on the stands and lie either and, like, ruin his career and, like, ruin essentially almost probably everyone else's in intelligence since they maybe, if it came out that Antonio was lying, then everyone else would be under suspect about, like, well, what have they lied about to protect Voight? So, I mean, I don't know. It just bugs me that Ruzik isn't seeing where Antonio is coming from. Yeah, and that's interesting that you bring that up because when you think about it, you know, the options here are Ruzik basically wants Antonio to disregard the truth and just have Voight's back regardless. The only other alternative is the truth. And so Antonio's opting for the truth that he doesn't know what he saw. And that's what that's what is making Ruzik so angry. Right. So that's just, yeah, I mean, when you think about the logist or when you think about the basics of the whole situation like that's why they're so pissed off at each other like that wow that's crazy so there yeah there was just a lot to unpack here with ruzik and antonio um what else was there i mean there's the point where these two beat the shit out of each other what the fuck was that yeah that's what i was gonna say i was like there was that fight um yeah i did not think they were gonna go to blues that bad Uh, Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be that quickly, and I didn't think it was going to be that bad, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, And if I remember correctly, wasn't wasn't Antonio the one who, like, started it? Didn't he push Adam up against a wall? I haven't gone back and rewatched it, so I don't know. I don't remember. But, yeah, it was just not pretty, like, at all. Antonio was, like, a professional boxer. Like, why would you want to mess with him? I Exactly. And the way I envisioned it, which I think I said in our wishlist episode, the way I imagined it was going to be like, literally, Antonio was just going to go throw one punch and knock Adam's ass out cold. And that was going to be the end of it. That would have been a fun way for it to go. Yeah. That was 
that was crazy. And then, I mean, at that point, that was this was after the ruse water moment that we're going to talk about in a second. But by that point, even Kevin was fed up with it. Kevin grabbed Adam and was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Right. Well, and that's, like, that's where I was at that point. Like, OK, I understand I wanted the tension. And I mean, I still really like the tension and stuff. But I was like, just what the fuck are you doing? Like, why can't you at least try to see somebody? That, I don't know. It was I was fed up with Rusik. Like, by the end of this, I was like, what the hell is going on? This is stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I was starting to head in that direction. And then, like, Antonio started to, like, level out. And I was just, it was crazy. I don't even know. Like, And, I mean, we wanted the tension, and we got the tension. Yeah. I, I didn't necessarily want them to fight like that, though. No. Like you said, one punch, somebody prove a point, we're good. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm a woman, but to me, it just seems like that solves nothing. Well... That is like the cliche, right? Like, <laughs> you know, fighting doesn't doesn't you know solve, solve anything. anything. Yeah, it's just a way to get aggression out at that point. Facepalm. Then again, I don't know. Facepalm. You know, maybe it's worth it to get it out of your system. Yeah. You know, for them anyway. I mean, but knowing these two, is it out of their system? Because once Voight got back, I mean, they didn't say a word to each other. Yeah, this is not the end of this. No. 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 Um, there is the ruse water moment. Let's talk about that. So they were looking for a suspect, I believe, and they were getting shot at from this doorway and it turned out it was a scared kid with a gun. Guys. Oh my God. Guys. I didn't think they were going to one up that moment from 501 with the guy who, you know, Adam was like, you know, put your hands up. I just want to see if you're wounded. And then they had that chat. I didn't think they were going to one up that. They one upped it. Yeah. This was intense. It was. It was really. I know. Yeah, it was. It was a lot. Um, I. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was rough. I will say, I always really like one of the things I do appreciate about these moments, like in this one in six hundred one and the one last season in five hundred one. They always do a really good job with Ruzik and Atwater of showing like two sides to an argument. Like, one of them takes one side, one of them takes the other. Neither one is right nor wrong. It's just there's two different ways of going about an issue, and they both – they always seem to do a really good job of that with Ruzik and Atwater. So I that's appreciate That's a really that. interesting observation because um, you're right. That's exactly what we see with those guys. Right. Neither one of them is – you know, Kevin's perspective wasn't wrong, but neither was Ruzik's. It's just two different ways of going about the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when Ruzik was like, can you think about this from my perspective? Either I watch this kid shoot you or I kill this kid. Like, either way, it's a lose-lose and it's something that's going to, like, traumatize him forever. So that, yeah, I mean, that that situation was crazy. And then when Ruzik was like, I can't lose another friend in only a couple days. Like, I can't do that. And then Atwater was like, got it. Like, got that. And that's why I love them, too. It's like you were saying, they present two sides of the coin, but they always end it in a hug. Like, they're just best friends. And so there's never animosity. They never get upset with each other. They just discuss their viewpoints and they hug it out and move on. Yeah. There's such a good friendship. Yeah. That was a powerful moment. Very. That was crazy. That was crazy. So before we get to Al's funeral, can we just talk about 
that moment where Voight and Antonio get together and Voight's like, you know, the the best part of having you on the team is that, you know, you bring your side to it. Like, you keep doing you. I'm like, what? Where is this coming from? That you're like, yeah, Antonio, I love that you're the rule follower who, like, is usually a thorn in my side. Yeah. Where did that come from? That was from? a little out of character, but I don't, I mean, but Void, I guess, is, I don't know where this is coming from. Maybe this is Void's new outlook on life. I don't know. I don't know. I think we'll see how Void handles this whole um Olinsky thing but right we gotta expect change um so I mean I bought it yeah I think it's just the start of a new fight or a new ish fight I mean if you guys could see Gina's face right now (laughs) 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 you know whatever but I just, I would find that a little odd if, you know, Voight comes out of this whole Alinsky deal with, like, a more positive outlook on life. Like, wait a second here. This all started from you killing the guy who killed your son. Your best friend went down for it for you and died in jail when he shouldn't have been there to begin with. And you're going to tell me that, like, this is your new positive lease on life because you literally got away with murder? I don't know if I use the word positive in this moment. I just think... Voight's gonna come out of this with like a not his way is the only way to do things and that maybe he should take you know they're a unit for a reason and that maybe he should take other people's point of views into consideration not that it's like a positive thing but that he should appreciate the people in his unit because they have his back and that you know if they go if they discuss things then they'll figure it out that is a damn good point. That's what I'm taking away from this. but So I don't know if I'd use the word positive, but yeah. 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 And then like at the, at the end when he came in and he was like, okay, guys, like stop fighting. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. like, like, this is the guy that had so the cage, nice. right? Like, you know, what, I said, this is the guy that had the cage, you know, like king of the fights. Like, yeah. This is the guy who put that guy's face on a burner. Like. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah, I just, I thought that was interesting. And then when he told the group to stop fighting, I was like, okay, I guess this is just him, like, being like, okay, I'm going to be the adult in the group. And, like, Antonio and Adam need to pull their shit together. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. But, yes, um, Al's funeral. Oh. Guys. Oh, my God. When Platt showed up at the door and was like, I called you. But, like, Meredith doesn't want you to be there. My heart just, like, broke. I was like, oh, my God. Wow. It was really hard to watch. I felt so sad for him. So sad. Yeah. That's... I get why she said that, but that is ice cold. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Ice and cold. I wonder if this will be, like, again, will this be a moment that not necessarily is, like, him changing his completely outlook on life, but, like, will this be a moment that changes anything because I doubt not that he's gonna you know not hopefully not that we're not gonna ever lose anyone again but if he does lose someone like he wants to be there and I think hopefully this will be a wake-up call for him of sorts well hopefully if anything it's gonna make him be responsible for his own actions right that's what I'm saying and and that's the other thing we learned in this episode too is that with the Dalyon shooting with Al's killer when he shot Al's killer 
There's an angle in the video that we didn't see in the finale, and the guy does reach in his waistband in the back and reach for his gun. So it's not technically murder? I don't think. I don't know. There's a lot of questions. Just, yeah, I, yeah. Basically, I ended all three shows, and I was like, nobody is okay. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Nobody is, yeah. Nobody's okay. But yeah, the the funeral. Oh, and they were all the pallbearers and just oh, That was a powerful it moment. Was yeah, it was. It was a very, very powerful moment. But even then how Meredith was like, I don't want Hank to be there, Hank was literally just across the street hiding behind a wall. I know. He may as well have been there. I mean, I you know, I'm my heart broke for him. I understand why they didn't you know, they that he was gonna find a way to be there even if he wasn't allowed to be like there. But I almost think it would have been more powerful if he, like, wasn't actually there and, like, took the time to respect Meredith's wishes the least he could do and, like, not actually even be anywhere close to the present, like, to the spot. I think that would have been a little bit more powerful. I wonder if we're ever going to see Meredith again. I don't know. Because you know that, I mean, she's got a slap or five in there for Hank. Yeah, yeah, it would be yeah. interesting to see that come back up again. Um, yeah. I guess it depends on where they decide to, like, have this whole thing go and what, you know, because it's not really officially over. There's the whole, like, what did Antonio actually say to the people that he's, like, give a statement to? Like, it's not completely over, so there's a chance I would think that it could come up, but I'll be curious to see where they, like, kind of, finish this once and for all yeah that was a doozy of a premiere but yeah like i said nobody's okay nobody is okay i i did want to say um that um i i always like the like really elaborate kind of like undercover things that they do on the show i think this stuff is really fun to watch, and I I love anytime Jay does anything undercover. He's I think so it's good. So fun, and he's so adorable doing it. It's really cute. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Was he? Uh, I can't remember what his undercover spot was in this episode. Was he like a drug dealer or something? I mean, it was just like really small, but he was you know trying to get dope and and meanwhile like as a distraction essentially, right? Um, oh right, right, right. And then they came to arrest him, and he was like going, "Oh man, yeah, that was funny. yeah, yeah." Um, he's just so just, good at it. Yeah, he is. He is. I think that's just it's just really fun to watch those those moments. It's always cute when they go undercover and they're trying to pretend that they're, you know, badass or right. whatever. You know, he's like, Oh yeah, I'm just like I'm from such and such place. I just want some dope. Yeah. I'm like, Yeah, you're so cute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, and then I mean there's another note in here about Gabby. Just yeah, I I mean it's a bummer. Like I I would like to see us get some closure between Gabby and Antonio, but yeah. it's probably not gonna happen. I mean it probably wasn't realistic, but I I wish we could have. I I mean from a production standpoint, I, it I wonder if it could have been possible the other way around and have Antonio show up on fire or something like that. Well, that's see. the only time we were talking about this last week, like. Gabby does not exist as Antonio's sister on PD. He only ever exists as her brother on fire. Hmm. Like, you yeah. never see her. You haven't seen her on PD It's if it's not, like, in a legit crossover in, like, years. 
You're right. I did not realize that. You're right about that. Which, it's... Uh, I think the last time we saw her on PD was when Gish had her in the elevator. Yeah, I think so. I just think, I feel like it was a missed opportunity. I mean, obviously the most important thing was with Matt, but, like, that is her brother. I mean, I wish... I, I think it would have been nice to have seen... And it... And maybe there's still hope. If we can't get a conversation with Gabby and Antonio, I would really love to see a conversation with Antonio and Matt. Yeah. Um, just something acknowledging it, and maybe we'll get it in the crossover. I don't know. But I just there needs to be some sort of addressing it, I think. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, it's, it, otherwise it's going to feel like a missed opportunity forever. If they can't get the actual – like they can't get Gabby, which I understand – but, like, at least have the conversation between... Because something I was going to bring up and I meant to bring up in the fire section is, like, is Matt going to be the one that has to tell them all that she's leaving for real? Like, who's yeah. going to tell the rest of the firehouse? Like, is Matt going to have to be the one? Like, is he going to be the one that tells Antonio? Like, how is this all going to go down? Yeah, I could see Matt being the bearer of bad news. Yeah. So it doesn't make I- sense for, her to have to t- for him to have to tell Antonio, though. Like, that just... Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So, but yeah, do we have any other notes about PD? Any other minor tidbits? Anything that I may have missed or forgotten? Or anything that we may have missed? One thing I'll just say that I'm curious. I mean, we'll find out next week. But PD, like I said before, PD only went like a couple days in between the end of season three and, or no, not the end of season three, the end of season five in the beginning of season six whereas the other two went like two ish months so i wonder how if they'll ever if they'll probably just go into the crossover and act like it's nothing but like Mm -hmm. timeline wise like that clearly doesn't add up when men and fire supposedly two months ahead and pd's not but that's just my own little like thing right they always do that it bugs me Although, like I said, I'm well, I really we'll, glad that yeah. we PD didn't jump so far ahead because I like seeing them figure out the grief and I like them. I like seeing Al's funeral. Like, I'm glad they didn't, but like, right. like it has to somehow line up for the crossover and I know it's not and it's going to bug me, but, but you know. <laughs> right. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's all I can think of for PD. Do you guys have anything else aside from not for me? What we discussed. I'm into it. I like all the shows on one night. I'm into it. Yeah. I actually went, when I watched them, I went and watched, I watched Med first, and then I watched Fire, and I stayed PD for last, because I wanted to get the feel of, like, what it was going to be like, and I I liked it. It was good. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I watched them all three consecutively, but I definitely did not go in order. I went in reverse order. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sorry. But, yeah, it's, it's... yeah, it's just one big dose of Chicago each week, and so far, so good. So Yeah, these were all really strong episodes. That is episodes. all we got. Thank you guys for having guys, me we on. We survived premiere week. Of course, yeah, Ashley. Of course. of course. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Yeah, it was fun. Anytime. I am happy to talk about these shows. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We'll definitely call upon you again at some point. Because, um, yeah, we've got our group text going, so, you know. You know I'm going to be talking in there regardless, so, you know, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah, indeed. So as always, listeners, you know where to find us. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It is Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. 
You can email us anytime you'd like. It's meetusatmollies at gmail.com. You can talk to us about anything. Our inbox is a safe space. Guys, if you like the show, which we really hope you do because we love doing it, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate that. And yeah, otherwise, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. Ashley, where are all of the places we can find you? Um, Not just Twitter. Uh, okay, so you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram um, at Ashley B. Summerall. Um, it's A-S-H-L-E-Y-B-S-U-M-E-R-E-L. I feel like that's a lot to spell out. But um, uh, you can find me there at Ashley B. Summerall on Twitter and on Instagram. And um, you can also follow my website, which is Telltale TV. Um, uh, both on Twitter and on Instagram. We're also on Facebook. Um, Twitter and Instagram is at Telltale TV and then an underscore. The underscore is important. Um, and then Facebook, I think we're just at Telltale TV. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, so listeners, we survived premiere week. Yay us. But yeah, everybody have a really good weekend and we will see you guys next week for the crossover. Just, we'll get through it together. Just, you know. We can do it. So, bye guys.